So we are continuing on in our series in the Gospel of Mark. This morning we come to Mark 6, which is an appropriate place to be on this first Sunday of Lent. And so uh, as we come to Mark 6 this morning, I want to ask you one question as we begin. What kind of packer are you? What kind of packer are you? When you go on a trip, I found in my short years in life that there's two kinds of packers. There's light packers and there's heavy packers. Which one are you? I am a heavy packer. I find myself when I go on a trip that I like to think of the scenarios when I might need something else. So I always end up packing an extra shirt because I might spill ketchup on it. Or I pack an extra pair of socks because I might get the other pair wet. I may step in a puddle of water in in the kitchen. Or I pack an extra something. I just find myself liking to pack a little bit heavier. What kind of packer are you? Do you find yourself asking the question, do I really need this on this trip? Or maybe you arrive at your destination and you say, I really overpacked. Or maybe you're on the other end, I didn't bring enough shirts or I didn't bring enough whatever. What kind of packer are you? My, my family and I just watched a movie two weekends ago, um, a kid's movie. And it was about two girls. And one of the little girls got really upset at her parents. And so she decided to run away from home. And it was really sweet to watch what the mother in the movie did. She said, okay, let me help you pack. So her mother just starts helping her pack and helps her pack her suitcase, gives her her suitcase. And the little girl's like, I wasn't expecting that response. And takes her to the front door and says, okay, have a good time. And shuts the door. And here's the little girl with her huge bag that her mom packed her. And so it shows the girl walking down the sidewalk. And she gets to the bus stop. And she's just sweating. And just obviously this bag is really heavy for her. And so the bus comes. And she opens up her bag to see, what did, what did I pack? And she finds that her mom had put a bowling ball in her backpack. <laughs> And so eventually the parents come and pick up the girl. Um, They don't leave her. They bring her back home. And the girl says, Mommy, you intentionally packed my bag really heavy. And the mom's like, yeah, because I didn't didn't want you to make it very far. She knew she wouldn't make it very far if she put something heavy in her backpack. And so uh, I think that that gets at a little bit what this passage is getting at with Mark 6. Uh, It's a packing story in a lot of ways. Uh, But here's a better question maybe than are you a heavy packer or are you a light packer? Maybe the better question underneath it all is what do you think is essential? What do you think is important, most important, or even essential in life? This is a question that many people dwelled on, especially during the height of the pandemic. You heard this word a lot early on. Essential workers or essential businesses that were allowed to stay open when other businesses had to close. A lot of people began asking the question, well, what is essential? What's your definition of essential? And you know, what's an essential business versus a non-essential business? And it's a question I've been dwelling on a lot this week as I've looked at this text and also as I've been dwelling on the themes of Lent is what is essential and particularly spiritually What is essential? Lent is a spiritual invitation for the church. It invites us each year to reassess the question, 
what is really essential in life. What are you spiritually packing on your journey in the Christian life each year? Lent is just an old English word that means lengthen. Like I prayed in the prayer, it's talking about the lengthening of days that happens when we enter into spring. And one pastor says that the beauty of Lent is it reminds us that, you know, we've been talking about the good news of the gospel in Mark What Lent does is it reminds us that you can't get to the good news without first experiencing and encountering what the bad news is. And so it gives us a chance to reflect on the bad news that is still in us and then seeing the beauty of the good news that shines after seeing the bad news. And so Lent is a season that invites us not just to pack light. You know, a lot of people like to give up something for the season of Lent, like I'm going to give up chocolate. Or I'm going to give up caffeine um, for the season of Lent. It is a, that's a good thing. I, I encourage that. But Lent is not just a season to invite you to pack light. It's also a season to invite you to add on something to your spiritual life. To increase your, spiritual, your spirituality. And so the true point is to analyze what are you taking with you on your journey? What are you adding on in your journey? And Lent ultimately invites us anew and afresh to make Jesus the primary one that we take with us on our journey of life. And ultimately to find him as the essential. And so with that, we enter into Mark 6 this morning. You may remember Jesus in the Great Commission later in Matthew, later in Mark, towards the very end. We'll get to this after Easter, remember? The Great Commission, the last words that Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He commands his disciples and his followers to go. And you could look at Mark 6 as kind of a a prequel or prelude to the Great Commission. He's telling his 12 disciples to go, to go out into the villages. And he's giving them some initial instructions. So we're going to walk through this passage together. What does he tell them in advance of their journey? What does he tell them as a preparation for their going, as part of their mission? First thing he says is he tells his disciples, there's some things you need to go without. So the first thing we're going to dwell on is what does Jesus tell his disciples to go without when going on his journey? You know, you can measure your love for Jesus by what you're willing to give up for him. You can measure your love for Jesus by what you're willing to give up for him. And Jesus here says, there's some things I want you to give up when you go out. In a couple of weeks, we're going to probably look at a passage in Mark 10, where Jesus has an encounter with a rich young ruler And this young ruler says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, remember the two greatest commandments, which are love your God and love your neighbor. And the guy says, I've done those things. I'm good. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, one more thing. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says the man went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Jesus asks us to give things up. He asks us to go without. And so there's some things on this 
journey that Jesus says you can't go with. Four things in particular. So looking at verse 8. Four things Jesus does not allow on this journey. Four things that Jesus does not see as essential. One, no bread. You can't take any bread with you. No bread on this journey. Why? He says there's no need. There's no need for you to take bread with you. You know, in the, in the ancient world, there was a hospitality code where people just kind of understood that if you needed a place to stay or if you needed to be on a journey, um, you could go to the middle of a town and just kind of make yourself available and say, hey, I'm here to, I'm here to be in the town. And people would come out of their homes and it would be honorable to invite someone to stay with you. And so you would kind of make yourself available and someone would come up and meet with you and say, okay, come into my home. You can stay with me. And part of that was that they would feed you meals. They would provide for your needs. And so that's part of it here. Jesus is saying, you don't have a need for that. The culture will take care of you. Trust and learn and lean on this. But then take it a, a step further here in the scriptures. Think about all the places in the Bible where people's uh, hunger is taken care of by a sustaining God. So you think about Elijah and the ravens. Where Elijah's provided food by the ravens. It's an amazing story. Think about Jesus feeding the 5,000, which you're going to see in just a few verses later in Mark 6, which you're gonna, you can, I'm encouraging you to read this week as part of your own uh, spiritual life. Um, think about when the Israelites are in the wilderness, God provides manna from heaven. Think about Jesus in Matthew 4, which is really the template for the 40 days of Lent that we're walking into. Jesus is fasting. And what does Satan offer him? Food. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but by the word of God. John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, don't take bread with you on your journey. It's not essential. Second thing he says not to take with them is a bag. You don't need to take a bag with you on your journey. Why? You got nothing to carry. (laughs) It's exhausting. It's hot. Why would you need a bag if you have nothing else to carry? Well, you may say, well, what about your Torah scroll or your Bible today, for instance? Like, if you're going out on a journey, wouldn't you need at least a bag to carry your Bible? And I think Jesus may be saying here, you should have the Bible in your heart. You should have the scriptures memorized. You should should have such a close relationship with me and a dependency on me that... I'm going to give you the words to speak, which is what he promises in other places in the scriptures. So listen, is it a good thing to take your Bible with you on a journey? Absolutely. I'm not saying for you all not to do that. I think it's a wonderful, wise thing to do. But the spirit about what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, that's not essential. It's not essential. It's a helpful thing. It's a wonderful thing, but it's not an essential thing here. He says not to take a money belt. That's the third thing. Why? Because there's nothing to buy. Again, you're being taken care of by the hospitality code. Rely on your neighbor. You don't need money for this. And then lastly, he says, um, my version here, the ESV says, not to put on two tunics. Just another way to say that is, don't take an extra shirt in case you spill ketchup on it like I would. Don't worry about it. Just wear what you have and go with it. You're going to be fine. Isn't life more than clothes? In Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food or the body more than clothing? 
And then he tells them to look at the birds and see how, how much they're taking care of. Won't he take care of you even much more? What about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. See how God adorns them. They're not toiling or spinning. And he uses all these metaphors of nature to show that you don't need to worry or be anxious about these things that we often are anxious about. He says the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and they'll all be added to you. But the first thing is seek first the kingdom. Later on in the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus kind of has another conversation with his disciples, and he's reflecting back on these things he told his disciples not to go back, to go out with. And Jesus said to them, he said, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack, did you lack anything? Do you know what his disciples said? We lacked nothing. Easy to see in hindsight, right? How God has provided for you in your life, how he's cared for you when you've gone without. It's hard on the front end. You're telling me to go without what? Jesus says, I'm going to care for you. Lent is a season to pack light. And that's what Jesus is offering for us. And again, many people like to give up something for this season as a reminder of that, in the spirit of this passage. And so is there, I would even encourage you, is there something that maybe God is asking you to go without as, during this season as a way to remind yourself that you are ultimately dependent on his loving provision and to be, be reminded that he will care for you just as he cares for all of creation. But that's not the true point of Lent. And it's not the true point of this passage. So Jesus does allow the disciples to take certain things with them on this journey. And he allows us to take things on our journey as well. So what are those things? So the second point here is, what does Jesus send us with? What does he send the disciples with on this journey? So again, looking at verses 8 and 9, we see he allows two things to be taken with them on their journey. But none of them are really essential. Even the things he allows them to take, I don't think they're still really essential. The first thing he says is in verse 8. He says, take nothing for your journey except a staff. You can take a, a big stick with you, a staff with you. Which if you've been hiking, it's a good thing to have with you, right? It kind of helps you prod along, gives you something to lean on. Exactly. If you see a a wild animal, someone tries to steal something from you, which they wouldn't because you don't have a knapsack or a bag anyway, you can knock them away. A staff is a good thing to have on a journey. And Jesus says, you can take that with you. It's interesting that Matthew and Luke actually say, they don't even say to take a staff. Mark is the only gospel that actually gives them permission to take a staff, which is interesting. I'm not exactly sure why. But let's press into it a little bit. If Mark is making the detail aware there, let's press into that a little bit. Think about other places in the scripture where you see a staff present. Moses is a great first place to start. Exodus. At a number of different places. God gives Moses a staff to take with him to confront Pharaoh. And to perform signs and wonders and miracles to let his people go free. In Numbers, Moses has a staff with him, and he strikes the rock, and out comes water. People are provided for. And I think maybe the most visible one, the one that I first thought of, Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, 
They comfort me. And then in Psalm 45, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter or the rod of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. So I think when you see the image here of a staff that they're invited to take with them here, I think it's a pretty profound image of God's authority and of God's presence and of God's sustaining power with them. There are some practical uses, like fending off people and leaning on when you're walking. But think of it as an image, as a metaphor of what God has used throughout the scriptures to encourage his people. Second thing he says you can take with you on your journey. He's like, like, you can take these only if you want. Sandals. You can wear shoes, Jesus says. That's fine. Take those sandals with you. And you can, you can use them for your journey. That's a pretty practical thing. You know, if you're walking a long distance, it's good to have a good pair of shoes with you to wear. If you're going to a theme park, it's good to wear a good tennis shoes. That's what my mom said, because your feet will hurt if you don't wear a good pair of shoes. The only other time that sandals, the word sandals is mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, you know where it is? John the Baptist. He says, after me comes one who is mightier than I the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. The only other place in Mark where sandals is used is in reference to the sandals that Jesus wears. So again, why is Mark the only gospel writer? It's like the staff. Mark is the only one that says you can wear sandals. Why is he pointing out that detail? Again, maybe it's a clue to look at the other sandals that are mentioned in Mark, the sandals of Jesus. The scriptures say we are to walk as Jesus has walked. And maybe it's a little metaphor for us to understand that when we walk into a mission in the name of Jesus, we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus himself. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Do you ever know your feet had that much spiritual impact? I think Mark is kind of pointing pointing that out to us here. So what is Jesus inviting you to go with during this season of Lent? Again, we've talked about things you can go without. It's a good practice. But take a moment this week to consider what might Jesus be inviting you to take on? A spiritual staff, spiritual sandals. What are some spiritual practices you can add into your life each day this year, these 40 days during this season that might give you deeper dependency on who God is? But remember, even those things are not necessarily essential for the journey that is before us. So what then is essential? You're saying, Stephen, you're you're jumping around here. What is essential then? What's the point of Lent? Is there something deeper that Jesus is getting at? Yes, but I have one more thing to say first. Jesus gives them one instruction. He instructs those whom he sends to do one thing on this journey. It has two parts to it. And the one thing is this. Wherever you go, stay in one place only. So if you check into the Holiday Inn, I want you to stay at the Holiday Inn. Or if you're going to the house of the neighbor of so-and-so, you need to stay there for the duration of your journey and not jump around. What is he getting at here? That's the first part here. Again, let's go back to this hospitality code. They didn't have Holiday Inns in Israel. They had very few lodging places, as Mary and Joseph found out, and they often fill up quickly. So oftentimes people would stay in people's homes. And so what the hospitality code has kind of built into it is this uh, 
Again, you'd be cared for. You'd have all your meals provided for. You'd have a place to sleep. But there also was kind of an understood timetable, usually three to five days, which was acceptable. And then it was time for you to move on and go somewhere else. Which, again, if you're thinking about hospitality, if you struggle with hospitality, this would be your kind of code, right? Like there's, a, there's an end point to your visitors. There's always a time where they kind of have to customarily leave. Uh, so that's helpful. But it's helpful for this passage because we see that this was probably a short journey that Jesus was sending them on. He's saying, just go and stay one place. So as soon as you're, it's time for you to go and you don't want to heap shame on yourself or on that place, your journey's done. Your three to five days is a, good, is a good bit of time here for your mission that I'm sending you on. So it's probably a short journey. It's probably another reason why he said yeah, you can pack light. So that's part of it here. And he says you should remain there. This word remain is an interesting word. It's the same word as uh, in other places of scripture where it talks about Jesus says to abide in me or to remain in my love or to remain steadfast under persecution. They're all the same Greek word. And when Jesus says here to stay in this one place, he's getting at this theme of be there, be fully present. Be where you are. Don't be distracted. Don't be bouncing from place to place. Where you're going, I want you to be all there. I think that'll speak to us today, too. Wherever the Lord is sending you in your life or in these days, be present there. But then the second part of that instruction is this. If those people don't receive you, if they don't like the message of the gospel that you're taking to them, Shake the dust off your feet and heap judgment on them. So in verse 11, he says, When you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. As a testimony against them. He's basically calling his followers to be dust kickers, you could say. Kickers off of the dust of people that don't receive the message. This is a pretty firm judgment that Jesus is using his disciples to preach. And so again, Lent, Lent has this feeling to it, right? Of when you confront your sin personally, or when you invite the world to see the gospel, again, you have to go through the judgment, through the, the brokenness, through the sin that is a reality for each of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you reject the good news, you're stuck in the bad. And out of the bad comes judgment. And Jesus says that you're to kick the dust off your feet. Oftentimes, Jewish people, when they went to a Gentile area, as they were leaving, they would kick the dust off their feet because they knew that the Gentiles would be judged because they didn't believe in the God of Israel. And now Jesus is saying that you can do this to Israel now, too, as a judgment against them. But I think there's a deeper connection here with dust and ashes, Remember in Lent, it says, from dust you came and to dust you will return. That's this, this theme of Lent that we're invited into. And so when you see the kicking the dust off your feet, um, I think there's a Lenten tie-in there for us as well. There's some specific marching orders that, that we enter into as well, which will lead us into our last point. And our last point is this. We've talked about things you're to go without, things you're to go with, instructions you're to have. And then the last point, Jesus finally focuses on what is essential for the journey. 
And it's littered throughout the passage, actually. Verse 7, verse 12, verse 13. He really sends them out with one primary thing. And I think he's sending us as his church with one primary objective as well. There's other things we can take with us on the journey. There's other things we can remove from our life that are healthy for our spiritual life and to be walking with God. But there's one essential that God sends us with us on the journey. He sends us with his authority. He sends us with his authority. Under his authority and with his authority. Jesus' authority is not self-serving. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And his authority is about building the kingdom of God. That's what Mark 1 began with. I'm coming because the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's telling us, he's enabling us to trust Jesus' authority. He's given the authority of Jesus to his disciples And he's asking the people that see him to trust that authority. It's a hard thing to do today, to trust people in authority. But Jesus is saying, if you're going with my authority and not your own, you're in good shape. That is essential. Jesus' authority is a call to himself. You see, he called the 12 in. And Jesus' authority is a sending out from himself. And he sends out the, the disciples two by two. You can even use an echo maybe there of Noah calling in the animals two by two, bringing them into the ark and then sending them back out into the world after the flood to do what? To renew the world, to recreate God's planet through the two by two. And that's kind of, you get echoes of that here. Jesus calls them in and then sends them out two by two, almost as a way of restoring creation, bringing about his kingdom work. And he sends them with his authority Specifically, authority over the unclean spirits, over the demonic oppression in Israel. Again, we've seen that theme throughout the Gospel of Mark. He says, you have authority over those unclean spirits. And it says in verse 13 that they actually cast out demons. They use that authority to cast out demons and to heal people. And he gives his specific empowerment from his authority to preach and proclaim the good news, which the disciples do in verse 12. It says they came proclaiming and preaching repentance. Turn from your wicked ways and turn to Jesus. Again, the invitation of Lent to repent, to turn, and to see the authority of Jesus, the one who alone can turn dust into beautiful growth for his kingdom. This is how Jesus says you bring about the kingdom. Repentance and then overthrowing the darkness with signs and wonders under his authority. So Jesus himself is the ultimate essential on the journey. When Jesus sends his authority to cast out demons, he says, I'm sending you with my presence. With what I alone am able to do, I'm now giving that authority to you as your disciples. You know, there's a a guy in Egypt who's the the president of the Egyptian Bible Society is what it's called. And at a uh, Lausanne Younger Leaders Gathering 40 years ago, I just was reminded of this this week, he had this one line, speaking to younger leaders around the world. He says this. He says, we look back and we want and we value the experience. So again, it's really easy to look back when you're on a trip and say, oh, I should have packed this. 
or I, I shouldn't have packed that. He says, we look back and we want the experience, but the Lord wants, us to, wants to give us something more precious than experience. He wants to give us himself. The assurance that he is with us, not his gifts, not his power, himself. And that's the offer of Lent. Jesus is the ultimate dust kicker, but he does it by taking the judgment on himself so that the dust is kicked off of our foreheads and off of our shoes, and we don't experience the death or the frailty anymore because of what Jesus has done. Jesus is the ultimate turner. He unlocks the power of forgiveness and repentance because he takes on the penalty himself. He allowed his beauty to become ashes for us. He is the ultimate healer. He took on mortal wounds so that the whole world might be healed and experience immortal life with him forever. Jesus is all you need for the journey. I'm going to finish with a story of, uh, that I heard this past week of a guy who was hiking with a good friend of his. They went out into the western parts of the country, into the, the hills, and they wanted to hike up this mountain because there's a really great fishing spot. If you hike up a couple of miles, it's a great little fishing hole where they could fish. So they got all their gear, and they start hiking up. It's a beautiful day at the bottom. And as they go up, uh, the weather begins to get a little bit colder. The clouds begin to form, and it starts to rain, and the temperature drops. And they weren't prepared for it. They didn't have jackets that were sufficient for it. And they're still a little bit of ways away from getting to the watering hole where they're going to fish. But they say, we're going to press through. We're going to get there because this is what we want to do. Well, this guy starts shaking and starts to realize that I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm getting hypothermic. And so his friend says, we need to turn around and, and get to someplace safe. And so he was in such a bad place, he couldn't get all the way back down the mountain. So they just decided that they found a big open field and they laid down in the open field and just prayed that sun would come out soon so they could be warmed by the rays of the sun. And sure enough, over time, the sun came out and began to warm them. And they're just laying there, sleeping, trying to be warmed by the sun. And slowly they, they begin to come back to strength. And as the clouds break away and as the rain stops and as they begin to be warmed, they look and see that they've not just laid in any field, but they've laid in a giant field of Rocky Mountain huckleberries. And not only were they warmed, but then they could stand up and they said they went around for hours and just picked these fresh huckleberries and filled their bellies to the full and were regained in strength. That's God's provision for his people. He is the one essential in life. He is the one essential for the journey. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus says, yes, go, yes, teach, yes, make disciples, yes, baptize. But remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this season of Lent, we want to remember that you are with us always. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. We want to walk as you walk and remember that you are the only essential in life. 
If we have you, we have all things. So, Father, lead us to that green pasture where your presence is. And may you fill us with all good things. We pray this.